Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer Podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer Podcast. Today, I am here with Matthew Gain. Uh, Matthew is currently based in Berlin and he's head of Audible Europe. Um, Matt has been at Audible for the past six years and before the current role was head of Audible Australia New Zealand and then moved into the role of head of Audible APAC Japan and India. Prior to joining Audible Amazon, Matt was at Edelman Australia for almost six years where he worked his way through the ranks to become the chief operating officer of Edelman Australia where Matt, I think that's where we first kind of crossed paths. Um, Matt has developed and led programs for brands such as Samsung, Telstra, KFC, Microsoft, PayPal, Commonwealth Bank, News, Sanofi, amongst others. Um, Matt, you've gone from being an account executive level in agency land in Sydney to running a major multinational enterprise. Welcome to the pod. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. <laughs> that was a sheepish, a sheepish laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, um, this is, this is the first question, which I was, um, I had this one in my head for ever since you agreed to come onto the pod. Um, how does a kid go from the beaches of Newcastle to running Audible Europe? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think a little bit of luck. I think a little bit of, um, a little bit of being in the right spot at the right time. I think also um, an ambition to to always be comfortable to be outside of my comfort zone and and um, you know that that that's maybe the positive way of, of putting it. That the 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 alternate flip of that is that I like shiny things and so always <laughs> like an, an, a new adventure. Um, and you know, I think ultimately a lot of a lot of hard work as well, though. Um, I, I love what I do and, and always have um, across all of the things I do. So I don't always see it as, as hard work and it's not, it doesn't feel like hard work, but I think, I think there is a certain element of hard work in there as well. So how did it start professionally? Like I've obviously um, known you for a while and stalked your LinkedIn profile, but. Um, I mean, pro pro professionally. Yeah. I, I went, I went to the university of Newcastle and um, I, I grew up in Newcastle. And I went to the University of Newcastle and, and the vast majority of my mates went to university in Newcastle. I think that that was just just what you did in Newcastle. It didn't it didn't they, not everybody stayed there, but the vast majority of people stayed in Newcastle uh, and it's a great place. Um, but I, I guess I never even entertained the option of, of going away for university. But by the time I'd finished, um, I, I did want to like it was really clear to me that I wanted to work in PR in Sydney mm -hmm. um, because I saw that as the biggest opportunity or the biggest stage to do that in Australia and so it was never a question that um, I would go to, to Sydney after after university uh, and so uh, I, I guess that was that was always a view and I, I guess I've always just been chasing the next biggest place um, I think I'm always interested to see where the decisions are made. So when you're in, when you're in Sydney, you know, when, when you're in Newcastle, you're like, ah, oh, the decisions for Australia in, from a business sense are made in Sydney. Yeah. So let's go to Sydney. And then you start realizing, ah, oh, okay, Australia in the global mix isn't that big. And so where do I go to, where, where are the decisions made that, you know, the people in Australia, where are the decisions above them made? And, you know, that's often in Singapore or, or Tokyo or places like that. So I ended up in Tokyo and, and then, you know, where, where are the decisions that are made there? And so you start, I, I guess I'm always just ambitious for where's the, the next opportunity and, and where, where's the biggest opportunity to influence things. And 
that that's always what's driven me. And so those are like those early roles. Like what? Um, without I don't want to get into too much detail on them, but what were the ones that um, stepping stones? The things that taught you this is good, this is bad. I want to move here in my career. There was there was a, a moment early in my career when um, I was working at, at Ogilvy um, PR, and and at the time they had a, a video games account called Vivendi Universal Games. Um, and, and they had some really great studios, including Blizzard, which is like a, a major studio now, I think part of that Activision. Um, and so um, at that time, the you know, PR industry is dominated with, with women. And they, you know, not, not trying to be stereotypical, but back in those days, there wasn't as many women playing video games and definitely no women in the agency that were playing video games. And I used to, to play video games a, a, a bit as, as a kid and they were like, oh, wow, maybe you can you can work on this account. And I got an enormous amount of leeway because no one really knew the subject area. And I was dealing with a lot of young journalists that were kind of around about my age. And I had a, you know, a lot of freedom to do whatever was going to be best for that client and working with these journalists and a lot of that was like hanging out with these young journalists so you take them away we go out drinking and 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 do a lot of really fun stuff and i think that that was a real stepping stone because it allowed me to advance quickly because there was no one on top of me stopping my ideas Mm. they didn't know whether the idea was good or not and i was able to and i'm not suggesting i made everything did everything right there Mm. was lots of mistakes made but i was allowed to make those mistakes you know, I was allowed to make a lot of mistakes and learn super quickly mm-hmm. and so I think that that was a real breakthrough for me and and went on to then work on the Xbox business we won the Xbox business at work and then um, and and then got to go work in the UK on the Xbox business and, and and so on and so forth so I think working video games at an early age and and being able to make lots of mistakes without too much control was was really really lucky for me how do you um reflecting back like what's the what's the right balance between because if it feels like you've, you've kind of mentioned you know happy to take risks being outside of your comfort zone um even early on you know we, we've gone from sydney we're now we're in london in more recently you've gone sydney to japan you're now in berlin like what's the balance of um sticking in a role moving through an organization versus taking that leap and moving outside like how do you weigh up the pros and the cons and that's a really great question. And I've been pretty fortunate in my career that there hasn't been too many short stints. I've kind of worked at places, you know, I worked in, in my first role for, I think it was about almost five years. Um, and then I, I went to the UK and worked in a couple of different roles there, but it was, it was all centered around Microsoft. Uh, and so I worked there for, for maybe two and a half years uh, and then there was a short stint at, 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 at an agency called Weber Shanwick, which I, I didn't stick at. And, and that, and I learned a lot from that and, you know, happy to talk about that if it's helpful as well. Uh, and I cut and run too early, I think there, but I had a great opportunity to go to Edelman, which I, I spent about, I think it was about six years there. Uh, and now I've been with, um, Audible, um, which is an Amazon business for, for more than six years, six and a half years now. Um, and so I've been really fortunate, I think, to, to be able to stick at those places. And I think there comes a point where after maybe two or three years, you start to 
understand how the machine of an organization works and are able to network around it. I think that that can help you advance within, within a business. Um, however, I think there is a point also where you can be at a company for too long. Um, and, and, and that might impact your ability to, to earn as much as, you know, sometimes moving roles, you can, you can make more money. And I think you've just got to be balancing that the benefits of sticking with somewhere versus the benefits of short-term benefits of, oh, maybe I can get a little bit more money here, 10 grand extra or something like that. And, yeah. But what, what's the, you, you've got to balance short-term versus long-term. And, and in my career, I've, I've been pretty lucky and fortunate that a lot of my career, you know, I've, I've, I've had pretty longer roles and, but I've, through the, those companies, I've been able to move around and, and change things up. And Audible has been a great example of that. Like I've had, I ran Australia, then we moved, and, and worked across Asia and now I'm in Europe. So there's three different roles, but still with the same company. And so you, you get the benefits of the networking, um, you get the benefits of understanding how the machine works, but still get the diversity of new new opportunities. Um, I think it's you kind of touched on it there, which is it's such a balance of um, sticking it out in a company, progressing, learning, developing. Um, I'll often say it to younger members of my team or generally, like don't take it, don't take that next step for a 10K pay increase. Like think long-term, what's going to set you up for success? That might be at Rocket, it might be elsewhere. But what you kind of touched on signs that you might actually be at an organisation for too long. Like what would be some of those kind of... I, I think you've got, you know, I've been fortunate to not be at bad organisations. And, you know, I think there are probably a lot of bad organisations out there. And I don't think you should stick at a bad organisation that doesn't align with, you know, your beliefs or isn't... Um, isn't giving you the chances or are not believing in you. I've never, I've, I've been very fortunate to always be in companies where the, you know, the bosses believed in me and gave me lots of opportunities. And so the signs of, of maybe when you've been at a company for too long, I remember sometimes, sometimes you can carry a lot of baggage around in a, in a company because companies change and you, you end up holding on to resentment and i think when 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 you're at the point where you're like oh this is just gonna fail as well maybe it's just kind of like maybe the problem's not the company anymore it's you you're just dragging too much baggage around and so i think that if if you if you feel you're you're not believing in where the company is and you're only there because of what the company used to be like two years ago or three years ago or four years ago um maybe Maybe I think you've got a question, is, is it likely the company is going to be, be like the company it was three or four years ago or has the company evolved and, 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 and you haven't evolved with it and maybe it's not the right place yes. for you anymore. So I think that, I think Yeah, that's totally. It. And I think um, it feels like, you, you know, you're staying because you're comfortable, not because you believe in the mission anymore or you, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And do you know what? Comfortable is fine if that's what you want to do. Like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person that likes to be out of my comfort zone. Some people don't. And, and I think that that's totally fine as well. Um, but uh, I, I think you've got to you've got to be happy <laughs> ultimately. And, and if you're not or you, you don't feel like you're advancing, maybe maybe it's time to, to go somewhere else. And that's OK. Not everyone needs to stay at the same company forever. That's totally that's fine. Totally fine. Um, I do want to dig into the current role, but I think um, the, the audience for the pod are marketers in Australia. And I think you're, 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 um, 
your period at Edelman is really interesting. You kind of went, you didn't come in totally as a junior. I think you'd already done a lot of that work at other agencies, but you came yeah. into it um, yeah. definitely not leading the business. And by the time you left, you were the COO of Edelman Australia. And just, I think, observations from that period around um, what the best performing, best performers in that organisation were doing, how they were moving their career through, um, any kind of learnings or observations that might be useful for listeners? I think that I was at Edelman at a really amazing time. We had, um, uh, at the time, the CEO in Australia was Michelle Hutton. She's she's still with Edelman. She went and, and got some really great global roles and um, is now focused on um, on Asia PAC um, as, as a region um, and is back in Sydney. Um, at the time, we, we came into an agency that was a little bit stale, I guess is what I would say. And um, Michelle brought an amazing network of people together, both staff within the organisation, um, you know, maybe, maybe besides myself, she hired me, but maybe that was the exception, <laughs> but she hired some really great people that she had worked with in the past. Um, that knew, that, that just were excellent at their work, but were just genuinely good people. And and so we had a great culture. And that business through the period I was there just took off like a rocket. And there's, there's nothing like a growing business and a fast growing business to build culture. It's so much easier to build a positive culture when things are moving forward and, and moving forward at a pace and um, and I give full credit to Michelle for for bringing that, you know, for, for, for bringing that orchestration of people together, not only on the internal, but she had a great network and we were able to build some fantastic clients as well. And then there was just a whole lot of great hard work. And it was it was hard work. There was a lot of we spent a lot of hours on it um, and we did a lot of really clever things and good things. Um, and, and what I noticed from that time about what, what made people great was a, a willingness to, you know, a humbleness and, 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 and just good people because people that can work with each other, people that are willing to disagree in a constructive way with each other, <laughs> but also who are who are willing to be wrong. So, you know, that they're, they're, they're willing to be like, Hey, James, I disagree with you on this, but then also willing to, to hear, Hey, Matt, <laughs> your idea is not mm. that good. Uh, and here's, here's what I think. And, and so, so being flexible in, in that approach and then people that were just willing to work hard, I think, and, 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 and be, you know, do wanted to work hard and, and, um, and, and were willing to, um, to put in the time so that that's what made success and 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 i think that it was people that owned owned what they wanted to do they 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 were on board with the mission they were really good people that were open to new ideas were willing to challenge and fight for their ideas but didn't think they were the smartest people in the room and 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 people that wanted to work hard to drive that ownership the um i'm a big sports fan and you kind of look at um, coaches or managers that go into a sporting team that's kind of has none of the foundations they're taking the job because it's a head coach role and they end up lasting half a season or a season and they go and um, I kind of look at it the same way when speaking to people or giving advice on roles where it's 
go into an organization that is moving in the right direction and you kind of the rising tide lifts all shifts kind of ships kind of thing and um you kind of touched on it there you're kind of saying that nothing builds culture like success and growth which which i think is true um other symptoms or signs if you're looking at joining an organization because it feels that um you haven't jumped around that much you've managed um you mentioned luck at the beginning i think that you're probably doing yourself a disservice but you've managed to jump onto the back of organizations moving in the right direction that have then given you progress have allowed you to take the next leap like what other things have you looked at when you yeah. know what made you go into edelman what's what made you take the the leap into um audible slash amazon ecosystem yeah, it's a, it's it's a good one. I mean, I, I'm really clear on the the Audible and Amazon ecosystem. The the um, the Edelman thing. The reason I was really keen to go there is that at the time, and and um, you know, I, I think still to this day, they were um, really pushing forward on 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 digital um, as, as an area, whereas a lot of the traditional PR agencies weren't as advanced. I knew that was going to be the future. Um, well, I didn't know. I thought at the time, and it turns out that it was right. I mean, it wasn't wasn't that tricky to work it out. It's not like I was a rocket scientist, but um, I, I could see that they were pushing really hard into digital, and they were the leaders in there. Uh, and so, the combination of good people, um, you know, I, I knew of Michelle's reputation, and and the the fellow who hired me at the time, his name is Alan Vandermolen. Uh, he doesn't work for Edelman anymore. He, um, I think he runs, he's the chief communications officer for SC, SC Johnson in, in the US. And so and he, he's just a super high energy guy. Uh, and so he hired me. Um, I, I met with Michelle very early uh, in, in the recruitment process and, and she seemed great. And, and I just believed in the mission. So from a global perspective, that was working. Um, and so, and then, I believed in the company and the people in there seemed good. When it when it comes to the decision to move to Audible, I had a very a, a very tight agenda. I wanted to work for one of the fangs, um, and I wasn't all that fast on on what sort of role it was going to be. And, and you know, and I anticipated I'd be moving into a, a marketing role. I wanted to get out of um, I wanted to get out of PR because I was I, I felt restricted the ideas I had at the time, I felt restricted in, in that regard. And, and, and I wanted to, to, to have more, more control. So I was looking at marketing roles and I wanted to work at one of the fangs because I just, at that time, you could see the growth and was a big believer in the potential of, of global media businesses. Um, and so the, the role at Audible came up and I was a, I was a subscriber at the time. Um, and, and there wasn't that many subscribers in Australia at the time. And so I think, you know, there's always a little bit of luck that the brand wasn't that well known in Australia and they had this country manager role, which sounds like a fancy title and, and, and it is, but at the time the business was very small. It was a country manager of four or five people uh, and uh, for a brand that was unknown in, in the Australian landscape. But I liked the product. It was part of Amazon, which was fit into my fang criteria. It was a global media business uh, and uh, they were... They were willing to take a chance on me to to not only get out of PR, uh, but to take on a, a broad managerial role, and um, so that ticked all the boxes for me, and, and, and I haven't looked back. Um, let's maybe just talk about that journey. Like, what's a how long in Australia? Where, kind of where did the business go to, and to, to where, and then into Asia, and now into Europe. Just 
fascinated to hear about the journey. And yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think, um, and a lot of people that work in marketing or PR were kind of like, how did you get out of PR or how did you get out of marketing into like a general manager type role? And that, that was, I was asking around about that to people, you know, like, would you hire me for, a, for, for an in-house role or would you hire me for this? And everyone kept coming back saying, oh, no, look, mate, you've worked at, and these were friends. I was just asking advice. And I was like, would you hire me? <laughs> good, good, mate. Good friends. I remember really specifically one guy um, who, who I ended up working with um, at, at Audible, Chris, Chris Gross. Um, we, he, he worked with us. In, he was based up in Japan for a little while. And he said to me, Matt, I wouldn't hire you because you work at an agency. And agency people just, you don't focus on things long term. You're just in and out on projects. And I went home and thought about that for a long time. And then, and it was, I, I, you know, I, I, let's make it dramatic. I woke up in the <laughs> middle of the night and I was like, no, <laughs> no, Chris Gross, you're wrong. I'm not in and out of projects. I'm on this long-term business building journey. And the, the, the long-term project I'm on is Edelman. And, and I've been working really hard to build that business for the last six years. It's not like I haven't been in and out of things. The, the clients and the projects, sure, we've been in and out of, but we've been really consistent yeah. about building this brand and this business. And so that was a really a, a real epiphany moment because that, that allowed me, because I think that that is the prejudice and I, that's the advice I would give to any agency people is that you're building you're not in and out on short-term projects. You're actually focused on the business that is your agency. And, and, and I was able to, through the interview process at Audible, highlight that and, and highlight that I did have a lot of business experience. I had a lot of general management experience and, um, you know, Audible is a subscription business. And I was able to parlay the fact that a PR agency is a little bit like a subscription business. You know, you, you have retained clients and you, you, you need to be doing work to bring new ones in, but you want to be working hard not to lose customers as well. So it's, it, it kind of is a, a, a subscription business. And that was an effective means to convince the people that were hiring at Audible that I, I had the skills. And, and not only was I a PR guy, but I was a business mm. manager. And um, that's how we transitioned. So I think that that was the biggest thing for me. And that's the advice I would give to any people that are in agency that want to get out. And I think that there are so many opportunities for people, Like there are so many great general managers that work in agencies all over the country. And that's my advice is don't, don't assume you can't get out of that um, into a general management. So role. agency marketers all around Australia, you can listen to that, except for anyone that works at rocket, which is uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, right. uh, yeah, right. That's Matt yeah. just talking. Uh, <laughs> that's good. I, I think that's, um, that's actually really interesting. And yeah, that's it, isn't it? Like the PR is the widget, right? But the actual business is Edelman and you could have been selling, selling a different marketing yeah. service or any kind of professional service that you wanted to. Yeah, and thinking about how do we market that business? How do we grow that business was, was what I did all of the time. Um, and how do we create an employer brand that brings the great, great talent in? And so without a doubt, there was a lot of thinking about and, and consulting on doing PR, but a lot of a lot of the the focus from you know when when you lead a business is about growing the, the, the 
business, not doing the PR, you know, yeah. so much. And so um, that's, and that's what I was able to convince the people at Audible about. And I was nervous. I, I, I won't lie. When I came into, you know, for my first day, um, I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to do this? And it was fine. It was fine. Um, as long as you can ask nice questions, um, as long as, as long as you can ask questions, as long as you can educate yourself on data and how you use data to make decisions quickly. I think anyone can run a business that, that, um, that has been from, from agency. Good. Um, and so I guess the journey, so from Audible Australia to, um, you, you were in Tokyo, weren't you? And you yeah, based in Tokyo and then Berlin. Yeah, I was just lucky. The, I, I started Audible and about three months after I started, my boss, um, Stuart Sayers, um, Stuart Sayers um, left to go work at um, Cochlear. Um, I think he's the CFO um, then, there now as well. And he ran Asia. Um, and they didn't give me the job, his job immediately, but by the, the, the business gave me a few chances. They're like, hey, can you go and help us? We're about to launch in India. Can you go and do some work there? Uh, and I said, yep. Uh, and then um, and then they're like, oh, we've got a few challenges in Japan. Can, can you go and help there? I was like, yep. Uh, and so I always, I always jumped at any opportunity to, to, to try the new things. And again, you know, I gave that example of the video games, um, not people not necessarily known. We didn't, we hadn't cracked, we didn't know what the answers were for Italy, I'm uh, sorry, India, and we didn't know what the answers were for Japan. And so, um, I was able, I was given a lot of leeway and we made some mistakes, but we, we've done some really great stuff as well. The move to Japan was, you know, I was running Asia Pack from, from Australia and India was doing great, Australia was doing great and Japan wasn't. I remember like Japan is a very different place than Australia. Japan is a very different place from anywhere else, um, really. And I would always be hearing decisions that the team were making. And I'd be like, that seems like a dumb decision. Why are they doing it like that? And then, you know, I'd get on a plane and go up there. I used to spend a week, a month in Japan. And I'd get there and I'd be like, this seems dumb. And they'd be like, yeah, but we're doing it because of this. And you'd be like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's, that's annoying. And even though that solution seems dumb, Maybe it's the maybe it's the best in this weird situation, and and really building that bridge. And I remember saying to my boss Chris Cooper at the time, who actually he's an American, but he works for an ASX listed company now, Catapult. Um, it's tech business, and um, they have a few people that worked at Audible there. Um, and uh, he's still in the US, but he's still in the US. And I said to Chris, I was like, I can't run this team in Japan from Australia via video conference. I need to go there. He ummed and ahed about that for a long time. And, you know, because he wasn't sure. He's like, yeah, Japan's a bit small in the region. It's not, Australia's the big focus. And then I finally convinced him and then got up there and um, you know, started managing the team. And then COVID hit. <laughs> we all went home and I managed the team by video conference um, in Tokyo. But um, just being there, and, and I always say that you, it's really difficult to make, to understand a different culture when you're not living that culture every single day. And just being in Japan helped me so much. I understood so much more. I understood what the 
what the landscape was like, where they got their groceries from, what media looked like, what their life was like. And it just opens up, you know, and, and I'm not suggesting I understand Japanese life at all, but just even a slight fragment allowed me to be a great interpreter between the US headquarters in Japan and just that that little bit of knowledge about what worked and didn't work in Japan was enough and to play that interpreter role so I could explain to the Americans why the Japanese would was making these suggestions I could explain back to the Japanese why the Americans were pushing on this that or the other and we turn that business around and it's our fastest mm. growing uh, marketplace um, now um, and it was it was super exciting I learned tons made lots of mistakes made more cultural um, taboos and problems I think than I even recognize as Japanese still are talking so about you. and don't always tell you but it was it was it was fantastic so that was that was how I moved from Japan I was just I was running the region but not in yep. the region um, and and I'm an Australian. I knew Australia. I didn't need to be in Australia to understand Australia. And we had a great team in, in Australia. And so that's why, that's why. And then how did the, the role, and I presume that, you know, logically Europe is a, a bigger market, a bigger concern. Is that right? And hence that, that role being the next step. That's in the correct. Stone, yeah, that, and how did that role correct. manifest itself? I think that um, we, we had a, a very long tenured leader here in, um, in Europe. Um, a, a super super great guy Nils Rattenberg, um, and he uh, he had led the business in Germany and then it expanded it across the other European regions um, for I, I don't know exactly the, the years I want to say maybe fourteen or yeah, maybe right. even sixteen years so a very very long time uh, and it was time for him to step out of the business he wanted to do some some different things and so the opportunity came up and. Uh, I was in Japan. We'd we'd got some runs on the board there, and so the business was um, the business asked me to come here, and we wanted to to change things and shake things up a little bit here around how we were doing. What you know, we'd been so successful here in Europe, but what had got us to to that point wasn't going to get us to the next. So we needed to make some changes, and the the business I think recognised that. Um, I was up for changes and, and, and was able to, to make change in teams. And so that's, that's why I'm here now. And um, I guess what's going on, like what is, what's, how's the business going without obviously going into anything we can't talk about, but kind of what's the. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, the audible business is in a massive boom at, at, at the moment and, and the whole audio space is in, in, in a real big area. And so, for those that, that may or may not know, Audible is it's owned by Amazon, but it's a, it's a separate entity. And so it has its own culture, its own feel. And we really are run as a separate business. And um, we have been, we've, we've ridden that, that wave, I think, of, you know, the podcast revival. And, and we make a lot of podcasts. And, and, um, uh, and, and so we've really, really ridden that wave up. We've also ridden the wave of, you know, people are busy and, and people are looking at new ways to consume content uh, as they move away from linear um, media to on demand. And so I think that we've been able to, to drive that up in the in the book space as well. And, you know, 
I always talk about my own experience when it comes to books, that there's a lot of people out there that love reading books um, and may even buy books, but just don't don't get through them because they don't have time. And and no, that was, sounds like was me, my, yeah, yeah. Really good at really good at buying books, come into my bedroom, look at my bedside table, look really smart. Um, none of them are finished. But um, and Audible just allowed me to to consume content in in different ways, open up moments for book reading that I didn't even think I had when I was driving, when I'm running, when I'm working out, when I'm cooking at home or doing the housework. And and so and that I'm not alone in that. We're all busy. And I think that we've been able to ride that wave um, and it's been hugely successful. And so here in Europe, what we are doing, we um, we have a really established business here in Germany and we have like, uh, you know, a huge number of customers here that love the business. It's a really well-known brand. And we are building our business in France, Italy, and Spain. They're, they're newer marketplaces, and we're we're um, we're on the, like a, a really steep growth curve there. Around how do we work with how do we build a entertainment industry around spoken word audio? So how do we work with great creators? How do we get um, how do we make great podcasts? How do we make great um, audio books? How do we work with authors to really um, do some great work there but then also how do we bring the the customer base along with us and and, and get the same benefits that you know the germans uh um, have experienced for a long time germany has a long tradition of audio books um but you know and and then in all the english marketplaces as well australia the us and what have you how do we bring those same benefits that those customers are having to um france italy and spain is the big opportunity for us here and that's that's where i spend a yeah, lot nice of my time in terms on. of um let's kind of kind of bring it back to um to marketing to the you know, 99% of the people listening to the Potter based in Australia. Like you've worked uh, with lots of big brands in Australia. You've worked um, in Asia, you've worked in Europe. Like what are the commonalities? Like what is good marketing? And I know it's a really broad question, but I guess the themes, the traits of marketing teams that are doing great stuff in, in what that you've observed. Do you know what um, I've observed? I've worked across so many different places, like Australia, India, Japan, Europe. They're all pretty radically different. But when you really start breaking things down, customers behave pretty similar in all of those markets, particularly across the digital marketing landscape. And I think my observation is, and, and, and I think that this is why I would encourage people to try and work in other places, is that we sometimes overemphasize the radical differences between our marketplaces. And by having a data-led approach, I think you can, you can start to see that what a customer does in Spain in terms of their search behavior and how you can move a person down the funnel from, you know, awareness to, to conversion uh, is pretty similar in, in all of those, all of those locations. And what I've learned that through looking, going super deep on the data. The other thing I've learned is that there's a gap between sometimes research and, and, and data. What people say they do 
and what they do are sometimes different. And so I think you've always, I, I always much more highly rate the, the user data as a close, as opposed to the declared data. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's, I guess, the advice I would give to anybody um, around marketing in Australia, but also as potentially as an opportunity for Australians to go and work overseas is follow the user data and that will give you the answers. And the user data, more often than not, is less different across marketplaces or, or, or different locations. What do you, um, you've obviously hired lots of marketers in your time, either directly or indirectly as a leader in a business. What are you looking for in hiring good marketers? Uh, I look always for, um, I, I, I hire people, not not people that have certain skills. And so I, I'm always looking, the things that I value the most in, in people I hire is examples of, of deep ownership um, so that there's someone that's owned something, driven something and felt, you know, deep responsibility for it. Um, a certain humility as well. Um, I like people that, you know, will will admit their mistakes and, you know, none of us are successful. Well, not none of us, but the, the vast majority of us aren't successful on our own. And so I want people that are, are team players um, that to, to work with. And the way the way we hire at Audible and, and more generally across Amazon is we ask experience-based questions. So rather than saying, "Hey James, can you tell me about how you you set up a, a, a you know a Google advertising campaign?" We we would ask because you know you can you can look that up on the web and give the answers, right? Um, we we might ask a question like, "Hey James, can you tell me about a time?" when um, you had to make a decision uh, that a, a campaign wasn't right and you had to make a decision quickly without all of the data, you only had 70% of the data you wanted. Um, give me any, talk, talk to me about what that scenario was, what you did and what the outcome was. And, and so when I'm hiring people, I'm asking those kind of, I wanna hear stories because it's in the stories that you can really so you can't you can't make up on the fly <laughs> a story like that, and so that's that's how you that's how you find a good employee or not. So I, I want I want examples of, of stories that, that drive towards ownership, humility, um, show that they're able to to work in the team environment and um, and, and and can learn from mistakes and learn from the like data it. as well. Um, we're getting towards the close. Just before we we started recording, your um. You, you kind of gave a, a Steve Jobs quote just about kind of his journey and looking back and tying it all together. You've achieved so much in, in not a ridiculous amount of time, really. Like it hasn't been, <laughs> still got a long way to go. But um, you're a young Australian marketer in agency land or in-house, you know, in Sydney or Melbourne or Newcastle or wherever it might be. What would be your advice like looking back on your career if you wanted to um, not necessarily be head of Audible in Europe, but if but, you know heavy hitting CMO somewhere or running a, a big business somewhere or um, you know crushing it in London or New York, like yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I, I think the Steve Jobs quote is that you know you, you can only you can only join the dots when you look backwards. You can't you can't always look forward. I think that he he gave a reference that he when he was at university he wanted to spend time in calligraphy class because he just liked it and and that learnings 
lent forward to a design sensibility across Apple products. I think what I would say is do the things you're interested in rather than the things that you think are going to make you money or that you're going to be able to progress the furthest. Uh, and, and that's such simple advice and it's, and it's advice, advice given ev everywhere. But I, it's, if, you're, if you're not interested in it, you're not going to work as hard and you're not going to, you know, it's going to be more of a chore. And none of my jobs have felt like a chore. I've worked really hard and I don't ever shy away from that. And that's a core belief of mine to work hard, but I, I wouldn't want it any other way. I don't see it as a slog. I think the other thing I would say is, you know, be brave and get out of your comfort zone. Like if you're in Newcastle, you know, maybe take the job in Sydney. And, you know, if you want to advance, I guess is, is what I'd say. Not everyone wants not everyone is super ambitious and that's mm. totally fine but if you want to move fast you've got to constantly be out of your comfort zone because that's where the learning happens that's where the mistakes happen and and you learn so much more from mistakes than 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 when you're not you know if you're not making mistakes you're just doing things you already know how to do typically um, if you look at i've got children and when you look at kids like they're making mistakes all of the time particularly when they're young uh, and that's how you learn. That's how you learn the most. And so get out of your comfort zone, like make lots of mistakes and, and learn quickly. Um, and that's how you progress um, quickly. At least that's been I love my it. Yeah, I think um, when you were when when you were kind of talking about making mistakes and being out of your comfort zone and leading into the stuff you, you love doing, not the stuff you find hard, it was um, kind of thoughts that I was thinking, these are things I want to impart on my kids. You know, yeah. Are, um, yeah. They might be things that are said, but they're true, right? Yeah. I think... Um, it's hard to get out of bed and hard to, to work those extra hours if you're not really passionate about it. And yeah, um, yep, you know, absolutely. When you challenge yourself and and when you do things you don't think you're capable of, it makes more hard things possible. So, Matt, that is um, really proud of the journey you've gone on, and um, thanks so much for for coming on the pod and sharing your journey and your. Thank you. That, that's really insights. kind. Yeah, it's really really kind. I, uh, I I don't see the journey as all that extraordinary, but I you know I, I I've loved what I've done. So thank you for your kind words. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.